0: Welcome to a slightly different episode of Anti Social Studies. Don't panic, I'm still working on the deep dive episodes you know and love, but I'm also adding something new. My usual episodes take so long to create that I miss a lot of the news that keeps happening while I'm researching and writing about Game of Thrones or abortion or Hamilton, which is my upcoming episode. But so I'm introducing new mini content to cover the regular news in between my regular episodes. Every Sunday, I'm going to start putting out my water cooler episode for that week. That's what you're going to hear a preview of today. You'll hear three big news stories you should know, two perspectives on a hot topic, and one prediction of mine for the upcoming week, and all in 10 minutes or less. You can listen to it on your way to work so that you can impress your friends and coworkers with how much you know about the world. And besides that weekly episode, I'll also be posting my reactions to breaking news and my answers to all of the questions that my friends, family, and students ask me about the world. Today, I'm giving you two episodes in one. First, you're going to hear my first ever water cooler episode for the week of June 10th, and then you'll hear me answer a question that came up while talking to my husband last week about subpoenas. And please, please know that I worked very hard to restrain him from making jokes about the word subpoena. So I'm giving you this first look for free. But after today, only my Patreon members will get access to these special episodes. So if you like what you hear, then make sure you join my history nerd empire at patreon.com slash studies. Just $5 a month will get you a water cooler episode each week, plus tons of bonus content, bonus episodes, invites to special events, a personality quiz that tells you who you were in a past life, and a lot of other fun perks. Check it out now. And now... Please enjoy the world premiere of my Patreon exclusive content. Welcome to the Water Cooler with Antisocial Studies, exclusive content for my Patreon members. Every week, I'm going to give you the rundown of the news so that you're prepared for the work week. Whether it's small talk at the water cooler or impressing a date with how much you know about the world, you'll always walk away from these episodes with three big news stories, two perspectives on a hot topic, and one prediction to look for in the coming week. Oh man, people are going to think you're so smart. All right, so let's get to it. What are three things that you should know about from the last week? The first is a guy named Thomas Hoffler. Hofeller Hoffeller? I'm not sure he was a Republican strategist and map maker. That's right. bet you didn't think Mapmaker was a job beyond the sixteenth century, did you? He's known as the Michelangelo of gerrymandering. He was a pioneer in the strategy of redrawing voting districts to maximize his party's chances of winning, and we've all known that politicians were doing this, so that's not why he's in the news. He's in the news because after he died last year, his daughter found a ton of his old files on his computer, and they are not doing any favors for the Republicans. As someone who advised Republican state legislatures and leadership for decades, we're now getting to see the exact PowerPoint presentations he was giving, and man, are they sleazy. Basically, he constantly was warning politicians to have great lawyers because he knows that what they're doing is, you know, just a hair's width away from violating about a million voting rights rules. And the thing that could be bad for Trump is an unearthed document arguing that adding a citizenship question to the U.S. census would be, quote, advantageous to Republican and non-Hispanic whites. Uh Uh-oh. So considering that the White House has consistently been arguing that they want to add a citizenship question to the census to help better represent Latinx voters, at best, this means that the White House hasn't consulted the experts to know that it would have the exact opposite effect while... At worst, this means that the White House straight-up lied about why they were pushing to add that question. A quick shout-out to Hoffler's daughter, who turned over the incriminating files to Common Cause, a voting rights nonprofit, with the hope of increasing our understanding of the scope and impact of gerrymandering on our so-called democracy. Be on the lookout for a Dumb Questions episode soon, all about gerrymandering. Number two, the French Open just finished. Nadal won. Yeah, we get it, Rafa. You're amazing on clay, whatever. But the more interesting story was on the women's side, because an American made it to the semifinals, and she isn't Serena Williams. What? Amanda Anisimova beat the world number three to get to the semifinals, and there are two things that I love about her. Number one, she's actually an American, not someone from another country who just moved to the U.S. to train. USA, USA, USA. And number two, she's the youngest woman ranked in the top 100 because... And make sure you're paying attention, she's 17 years old. Yeah, that's right. A girl who could be a student in my high school U.S. history class just made it to the semifinals of the French Open. Ugh, what am I even doing with my life? And three, and this one's happening like right now as I'm recording this, people in Hong Kong are protesting against a new bill that could make it easier for the Chinese government to bring suspected criminals into mainland China to stand trial. So essentially, Hong Kong was a British colony for 100 years, but it was returned to China as a special administrative territory in 1997. So think of Hong Kong kind of like China's Puerto Rico. If you don't know what that means, well, lucky for you, I just did a whole episode on the history of Puerto Rico, so you should go check it out. Since 1997, the communist Chinese government has slowly been trying to reestablish more and more control over the prosperous city. And this new law is basically just one more step in that direction. And let's be clear, China's justice system has no semblance of actual justice. So this new law would mean that anyone China didn't like in Hong Kong, political protesters, etc., could be taken back to China and sentenced basically however the government sees fit. That's not good. So hundreds of thousands are taken to the streets and be paying attention to how these protests develop over the week. It could be good and maybe get China to back off, or it could provide an excuse for the Chinese military to get more involved and to fully assert control over this city, which would not be good. Okay, now for two perspectives on one big issue. So this week, both perspectives come from the Democrats because they just can't help themselves. Like, get it together. The topic in question is the Hyde Amendment. Whoa, did all of the Democratic presidential candidates listen to my latest episode on abortion? That's crazy. The Hyde Amendment was put in place in the 1990s to prohibit the use of federal funding for abortions, except in the case of rape, incest, or health of the mother. So basically, your Medicaid insurance can't pay for your abortion. Most Democrats are opposed to the amendment, and many have signed on to a bill to repeal it called the Each Woman Act. But frontrunner Joe Biden has supported the amendment for decades and was open about his support for the amendment. Until? He was scheduled to speak at a fundraiser in front of a crowd that included a lot of African American women. Uh oh. So, Medicaid is insurance for those below a certain income level, which means that people of color use it more than white people, since unfortunately, people of color are still on average poorer than white Americans. So opponents argued that the Hyde Amendment basically just punished women of color and made it more difficult for them to get an abortion, whereas white women, who more often had private insurance, wouldn't be affected. So when Biden was about to go speak in Atlanta, he reversed his decades-long position and all of a sudden said that he could, quote, no longer support the amendment. And that statement came just one day after specifically telling his staff to double down on his support for the amendment. So, like, flip-flop much? Biden supporters are like, see, he's an old white dude, but he's an old white dude who's willing to change his mind. Whoa, a unicorn. While Biden's opponents, they're pointing to this as an example of him being out of step and behind the times. I'll let you decide. And finally, where I try to predict the news of the upcoming week. Let's see how I do. So my big prediction in general is that you're probably going to hear a lot of problematic rhetoric about African immigrants. Let's talk about why. So there's a democratic uprising going on in Sudan right now, and it's pitting peacefully protesting civilians against the military. Basically, long-serving dictator Omar al-Bashir was ousted from Sudan in December, and since then the military has been ruling. And they say temporarily, but like, it's been six months now. Protesters are embarking on a civil disobedience campaign to try to gain international attention and pressure the military to hand over power to a civilian democracy, but it's starting to turn violent. This unrest is already spilling out onto the already unstable region of Northeast Africa. For example, Sudan borders on Eritrea, one of the most oppressive nations in the world. And so it's beginning to prompt a migrant crisis as Africans flee the region. And this is almost identical to what happened a few years ago in Syria during the Arab Spring that led to a wave of anti-immigrant rhetoric in Europe and the United States about all these Syrian refugees. So my prediction is you should expect some really problematic tweets or comments out of the White House this week. From general ignorance on the current status of Sudan to full-blown fear-mongering over, oh no, black people at our border. As for me, I'm going to be scanning Trump's tweets just waiting for him to refer to Africa as a country. to Quick History with Anti-Social Studies, exclusive content for my Patreon members. Whether you're a Joan or a Socrates, a Napoleon or a Genghis Khan, thanks for being a part of my history nerd empire. Today we have a dumb question to answer, and just a friendly reminder that none of these are in fact dumb. Believe me, I teach teenagers. I know an actual dumb question when I hear it. But today's question came from my wonderful husband Zach while we were sitting on the couch having some quality time with our phones. Ah, marriage in the 21st century. So what did he want to know? Okay,
1: hello. Hello.
0: Hey, Zach. So, what was your dumb question?
1: My first dumb question is What is a subpoena?
0: Well, that's your only dumb question for now because it's the only one I I know the answer to. But, (laughs) so, what is a subpoena? Um, And why, I mean, why are you, do you want to know just in general or are you asking because of a specific, Uh,
1: like, because of current events or what? Mainly because of current events. I've been reading the news and I keep hearing about subpoenas that are coming out against, I'm not sure if it's Trump or people in his party or, you know, I think it's generally in that direction. So I'm curious what what it is and why, uh, why it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay,
0: cool. So basically a subpoena just means um, that it is, uh, in this case, Congress is requesting information or they're requesting testimony. So if you, like, if you were to get subpoenaed by Congress, that might mean they want you to come testify. They want to hear your testimony about something, or that might mean you have documents or information that they want. So they could, you know, subpoena, I don't know if if you were a bank, financial documents or something like that. And it just means you have to produce either, you have to either show up and testify and or produce those documents. And so in this case, what we're hearing about in the news a lot is the Mueller report. So what do, mm. have we heard about the Mueller report? I have. We're familiar? Okay. Um, so right now, Congress has only gotten the redacted version of the Mueller report, right? Right. Where it's like all been blacked out. Uh, Or not all, but a lot of parts of it have been blacked out. And so Congress um, is saying that they want the full unredacted Mueller report. Um, And so they have subpoenaed that. So they have subpoenaed Attorney General Barr um, because he was the one, he's the Attorney General, he's the head of the Justice Department, he's also Trump's guy. um, And he was the one that was actually, he oversees all of that investigation. Um, So even Robert Mueller, who was like a special counsel, he was still working for the Justice Department. So ultimately, when Robert Mueller finished his whole investigation and wrote up his really long report, he delivered it to Attorney General Barr. And Barr was the only one who really like received at first the full unredacted report. And then he edited it, um, meaning he went through and redacted things that he thought for whatever reason shouldn't be released, and then sent that version to Congress.
1: Okay. So at this point, what's what's the process or procedure because at the mm-hmm. end of the day isn't he supposed to just give it to him why is it taking so long <laughs> he's
0: not supposed to just give it to, well he could just give it to him but he's he's not supposed to so the trick is we're seeing it's the same thing that happened under Nixon we're seeing the problems so we have checks and balances but we're seeing the problems with the with what happens when the Justice Department, which is the group that is supposed to investigate these types of things, what happens when they're investigating themselves, which mm. is what's happening, right? So Trump, because tr- well, they're investigating Trump and Trump's people, but the point is like... Um, They're also, they were investigating, for example, like the firing of James Comey, who was the head of the FBI, which is a part of the Justice Department. And then Robert Mueller, who was investigating all of this, was reporting to the head of the Justice Department. And so it's like what's happening is now like what happens when if the president and his people are under suspicion, some of our checks and balances kind of fall apart. Or not just fall apart, it's not that they fall apart, they bring things to a halt, which is what we're seeing right now, right? Because what happens is, so Congress has subpoenaed Barr and said, we want the full Mueller report. And Barr has said, no. And now we're stuck because then Congress can't really go much further. Now, what they can do and what they're deciding over the next week is the full House could vote to hold Barr in contempt of Congress, Okay. Right? This is like in a law show when like, someone's yelling out it of order, like and then they're like, you're in on contempt. The it is a slap on the wrist. Because, and here's the trick that's going to blow your mind, because when you hold someone in contempt of Congress, do you have a guess of what organization is supposed to carry out that contempt and possibly prosecute them, Probably. get them in trouble?
1: Barr's Justice Department. It
0: is Barr's Justice Department. So what happens <laughs> when you hold Attorney General Barr in contempt of Congress, and then you hand him the orders of contempt, his Justice Department, and they can choose to prosecute or not. So they will not choose to prosecute. So it'll be a big, like you said, a slap on the wrist. It'll be a symbolic show from the Democrats if they do vote, if Nancy Pelosi decides to have them vote to hold him in contempt, because that's really a big deal to hold the Attorney General in contempt of Congress. But ultimately, nothing would happen. So the Mm. last option that they have is they can go to court. So typically, you can't really bring something like this to court unless you've kind of exhausted all other options. And so that's why voting to hold bar in contempt... All the Democrats know nothing would really come of that except they 've checked the last the last box to basically say we 've tried everything right we 've subpoenaed he 's refused we 've held him in contempt he 's refused to prosecute himself, <laughs> and so now we 're going to bring it to court and basically it 's going to be like Congress versus i don 't know if it would be bar, probably bar and so mm-hmm. this is what happened in uh, Watergate so in Watergate right Nixon had these tapes. Um, and he he gave some of the tapes, but not all of the tapes, to Congress. so it was almost the exact same thing and so Congress subpoenaed the tapes. Nixon did a thing, which is what Trump is doing too. He's claiming executive privilege, which basically is a is a real thing that says that the executive branch can withhold information if they feel like it's it's necessary to be withheld for like national security or the interests of the public, but it's really vague okay. and so right now they're claiming executive privilege, but that could just be their, their loophole of saying, I just don't want this information to be released, right? And right. so Nixon did the same thing with the tapes. He said there was like a chunk of time missing from, from one of the tapes very suspiciously. And he claimed executive privilege. And Congress went through all the methods we just talked about to try to get the tapes. And ultimately, they brought it to the court. And ultimately, it went up to the Supreme Court. And there was a Supreme Court decision hilariously called the U.S. versus Nixon, Right. Um, Which, where the Supreme Court demanded that Nixon hand over all the tapes. The trick is, the Supreme Court today, if it went all the way up there, is 5-4 conservative. And so it's possible that they could actually side with Trump and we could never see the unredacted Mueller report. Hmm. Well. What do you think about that? Any questions?
1: No, I think that that makes more sense because I was under the impression that if someone issues a subpoena you you can fight it but ultimately it should end up in the hands of the person that requests it mm-hmm. but
0: and that's i guess true. all these
1: loopholes mm-hmm. it makes me view some of these loopholes as contemptible
0: but i do <laughs> um, feel
1: less dumb it's a good pun i do feel less dumb now that you've answered my question oh
0: good thanks zach um yeah and you're totally right that that subpoena is supposed to be the end-all be-all unless you are the attorney general of the united states of america And in charge of the entire Justice Department. So
1: Well, Washington and everybody else was a little short sighted when they (laughs) drafted up our constitution. You're blaming
0: George? Okay. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that exclusive look at my new Patreon-only content. So again, if you liked that and want that to be showing up in your podcast app every week, then go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash antisocialstudies. Thanks.